it sounds like an intense event, but they go because they want to go to all seven continents. Like they'll run six, seven hour marathons. They don't, they don't care. Is yeah, that, that's it, not seven it, days back to back to back. Yeah, it to, is. It, it, okay. Yeah. Cause yes. So you're in seven days, <laughs> you run seven marathons and you've on been on seven, seven continents. Con- this is the Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, Episode 273. The shrimp consumption in Las Vegas is over 60,000 pounds per day, higher than the rest of the United States combined. Las Vegas' new tagline, where we don't scrimp on shrimp. I think I have finally heard about a trip where I would not be bringing my Tortuga backpack. And that is a trip that today's guest, Whitney Powell, just got back from. And the reason being, even if you had the 35-liter Tortuga Outbreaker backpack, I think it would be a bit too big. So you're going to hear about Whitney's trip, the only trip to date that I don't think I would bring my Tortuga Outbreaker backpack on right at the top of the show. But you know that we like to travel far and wide, international, domestic, it doesn't matter. We'll go anywhere and everywhere. And almost every single one of those trips, I am carrying the new Tortuga Outbreaker backpack. I love it because it's just carry-on size. It's absolutely perfect for everything that I do. So if you want to check that out, as well as a lot of the new products that they are rolling out, you can do all that by going to Tortuga backpacks.com. Don't forget, use the special promo code EPOP, E-P-O-P, all capital letters, because that'll get you 10% off your entire order. Hello, travel nerds, and welcome to the Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, the show that teaches you how to travel more while spending less. I'm your host, Travis Sherry, and joining me today is someone who has done three Ironman competitions, stayed with Inuits above the Arctic Circle, run a half marathon in in Antarctica, and has sailed from Barbados to Granada, and who just told me she finished a race between Las Vegas and Santa Monica last night. So Whitney Powell from ironwillproductions.com. Whitney, thanks for joining me today and welcome. Thank you so much. I'm honestly so honored. I'm really honored to be here, actually. (laughs) I'm a little flattered. Well, (laughs) well, I'm excited to have you. And all right, give us a little bit of this backstory because right before we got on here, you said, yeah, like, you know, I just woke up. I, I, I just got back from running between Las Vegas and Santa Monica. I didn't know if you meant five minutes ago or last night. So give us a little (laughs) bit of the background because you're always doing crazy stuff. That's true. That's true. And a lot of times I don't even know I'm going to be doing it until kind of the last minute. So I actually got invited um, less than three weeks ago now to join a pro women's team um, to run from uh, Santa Monica to Las Vegas uh, to the Strip. So it is a foot race. So we started at 5 a.m. on Friday and we arrived on Sunday and we literally just ran and ran and ran all the way through the desert, through the mountains, through everything, Um, suffered greatly in the desert. And uh, I just got back last night. So I'm here. (laughs) I'm excited to be here. I'm exhausted 
because I've been running for two and a half days, but I'm excited to be here. So. Well, you've, ha- you've had a lot more intense uh, two and a half days than I have over the last two and a half. How long is that run? Uh, it's about 350 miles. Oh, never mind. That's it. I did 360, so never mind. Oh, yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> well, my, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I shouldn't shouldn't have tried to uh, one up you on that one. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is awesome because today's episode we're going to talk about a lot of stuff. Crazy adventures you've done. I kind of teased a little bit out there. Um, ex- uh, the extreme sports background that you have. I want to get your opinion and advice on how other people can kind of start implementing maybe not a 350 mile race right away, but some little parts of it into their life. Um, we're going to talk about how you stick to your guns, lead this unconventional life, uh, especially as a traveling female entrepreneur and, you know, some male dominated niches and stuff like that. Of course, I want to talk about the expeditions you've done, mishaps, best things, all that. But first, maybe the hardest question you're going to get the whole show. All right. And this is one that I can never answer myself. So I, I want to see what you come up with when you're meeting new people, because you do a lot of stuff and they inevitably ask you, so Whitney, what do you do? What answer do you have for them? Dang it. You're right. Okay. So I guess in a nutshell, I introduce you good people to the world's most unique and interesting races, places, and expeditions on all seven continents. Wow. There you go. Nice. (laughs) So I race them, I film them, um, I photograph them and Um, just try to get people to know about maybe some of the smaller adventures, like the hidden gems around the world that a lot of people miss. You know, a lot of people go to Rome and, you know, see the Colosseum, but, you know, do you know that you can like go underneath the Colosseum and like, do you know, there's like, there's all these other little things that are close to the touristy places, but a lot of people don't do or don't know about. So that's what I look for and try to introduce other people to. Wow. Well, you've got your, man, I need to hire you to write an elevator pitch for me because that first two sentences that you gave was like, all right, man, she's got this down. I'm always like, oh, well, I'm a professional traveler. I know we have a podcast, you know, babbling on well after they've lost interest. You know, they just wanted one answer and I can't usually give it to them. Yeah. Well, it's, it's taken a while to get to that point. And because, um, you know, I produce films and, and write films, um, part of it is pitching. So you have to at least pretend like you're good at pitching what you do. So a lot of work went into those few sentences. There you go. Well, where did this <laughs> where did this desire for all this adventure and this travel come from? Was it something that you grew up with? You know, your family did a lot of that? Or was there this maybe aha moment or a few aha moments that said, no, this is I'm going to take this path. It's unconventional. People might think I'm crazy, but I know this is what my life's going to look like going forward. A little bit of a combination. Um, I definitely grew up in a very adventurous family. So my parents, I'm actually a middle child. So my parents um, would sometimes tell us like, okay, pack up a backpack. We're going to go to Alaska for a few weeks and we're just going to see what happens. Like we're, you know, we'll take the train. We're going to go see the Arctic circle. We're going to go, you know, we never did tours. I still, to this day, I'm almost embarrassed to admit this. I've never been on a cruise. I like, neither, to this day. neither have I. Neither yeah. Have I. I've never been on. So everything we do is like, off the beaten path. Like, let's see what happens. Let's go hiking. Let's go, you know, camping. Let's go, you know, do something crazy. So I definitely kind of grew up with that and then, um, kind of started going the film route 
where it was very traditional. It was like, you know, you try to become a production assistant. You try to, you know, do the rat race in Hollywood. And of course I live in LA, so I'm a total stereotype and eventually came to the conclusion that I didn't want anybody else dictating when and how and what I worked on and what kind of work I did and was like, what is the one thing that makes me happy? Like working with amazing people, traveling and shooting film. So that's what I'm going to do. So I pretty much quit everything, um, started my own company, called myself an executive producer, made some business cards, built a crappy website and said, this is what I do. So suck it. And just eventually people kind of started believing me. So I don't know, it kind of worked out in the end, but you know, I always tell people too, like if people say that you are crazy or that you're nuts for trying something or you shouldn't do that or you should take a more practical approach, I think you're absolutely on the right track. So keep going. So that's, that's my philosophy. And that's kind of how I came to be doing what I'm doing. And, and all that I totally agree with. It sounds well and good. What about <laughs> the people who are like at the beginning stages of that? And they're saying, oh, yeah, okay, Whitney, great. Yeah, you said you were going to do it. You did it. Great. Now it's successful. All that good stuff. What about in the beginning? Like how does someone go about, I mean, one way, fake it till you make it. Like you said, print some business cards, make a website. But what about all the feelings? Like, I mean, it couldn't have been as easy as you're saying, I'm going to do it and boom, now it's done. There had to be a lot of ups and downs and obstacles and roadblocks that, that you faced getting there. Mm-hmm. And there still are. I mean, 100%. It's like to be fully transparent, it's really freaking hard. Like it's, um, it's definitely not something that you do just kind of dive into. Um, you know, I was still working on a couple little freelance projects and tried to keep money coming in. Um, financially, it can be very challenging, um, especially getting paid to travel. Um, it's it's not easy. You know, a lot of people do want to have you come on their trip um, in exchange for like shooting a documentary. I'm like, do you know how much a documentary costs? Like, I can't just like, make a movie for you. You know, we like, I got to pay rent, buddy, you know? So it's wonderful. You know, I could have gone on 50 trips a year in exchange for photography, but I got bills to pay, you know, just like everybody else. And that's really, really hard. And I think a lot of people, even in travel, don't exactly realize that too. So, um, I would say having sort of a financial net, like maybe not just going all in immediately, and just dropping everything because it is going to be hard. You will have a few feast or famine months, years for some people. <laughs> decades. Um, <right. laughs> decades. I mean, seriously, it's it's not, you know, something that just happens because you have this great idea. Like it doesn't mean you're going to have clients because you love your idea. So you really have to, I think, take a little bit of time to kind of formulate that idea and do not be afraid to change it. Like, I think I've evolved so much since I came up with that original idea and kind of figured out like what clients are actually looking for or how to work with big agencies and brands. So now I work with like pro and Olympic athletes and big brands and, um, tourism boards, but it takes a lot of time to get there and figure out exactly what they want. Like, just because I want to go shoot some wildlife out in Alaska doesn't mean that, you know, the Alaskan tourism board wants that, you know, they, they can hire any national geographic photographer to go do that. Like 
I, <laughs> you know, so what is it that I can do that's very unique to that company and kind of start to figure out what people are asking you and what, what do people want from you? And what are, what are people asking you? What are your bloggers, uh, your blogger friends asking you for, or your photographer friends? Um, so I think listening is a really big part of that as well. So not going all in right away, listening to what people are telling you that you're good at or that they want from you. Um, and kind of starting to take all the pieces together and consolidating it into these little ideas and start to mold it over the years and kind of figure out like what you're good at and what you can offer people. I just shot a 31 video series for our other community um, about building a, you know, a business and starting out and all that kind of stuff. And basically, you summed up the 31 videos uh, in in there you go in about three minutes of of definitely don't dive in if you don't have to, or, or you know, if, if there's a way that you don't want to build that financial insecurity on top of it, like it's going to be stressful anyway. The financial part's going to take that and exacerbate it times 10. So if you can have a nest egg, have a job, have something, people always think, oh, yeah, I'm going to leave my job. Travis is going to tell me, like, go, go, go. I'm like, no, 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 you know, don't do that. And, and, and on top of that, then the idea that it's not always what you want or what you think someone wants, ask them, figure it out provide that for them, and then build in what you want to do into that as well, as opposed to saying, this is me and I'm going to do whatever I want to do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I made it sound like that. I was a little bombastic in the beginning there, but it's, it's totally true. You do have to listen. And sometimes you do kind of have to take a direction that you didn't think you were going to take, or you, you have to go kind of do a couple projects where you're like, well, this isn't really what I thought I wanted to do, but you know, this is what people need. Like there is a need here and I can provide that. So how can you kind of put your own spin on that and your own personality into whatever that product or service is? And to be perfectly transparent, you know, I have been broke. Like I have definitely had times where I'm like, oh my God, how am I going to pay rent next month? Like it's so hard to find like that unicorn client, you know, that I'm looking for. But if you like open up your, you know, your perception of kind of your, your business and kind of look outside of your own ideas. Um, I think there's, there's a lot there for everybody. And if you kind of put your feelers out there, um, you know, do, do polls on Facebook, do call people and say like, what would help you? How can I help you? Um, there's so many ways that you can listen to people and get ideas for new products and services that, um, that can really change your business. And of course it's not easy. And you know, you're, like you said, the financial part is really stressful and really scary. So you do have to tweak it and play with it. So you're absolutely right. What is one of those things that you've had to do that maybe you weren't like super gung ho. And, and it seems like to me, same sort of energy. Usually when you start doing something, you're going to love it or you're at least going to really like it. But there are things that you've probably done where you're like, all right, this would not be my preferred thing. I'd rather do this, but this will open up a door or this will, you know, be something that will pay the bills or so forth. Are there any examples? Cause you do a lot of things. Are there some examples of stuff that you do that you like, but don't love? And then there's some examples of stuff like, but I'd really want to do this. Definitely. Yeah, there definitely are. Um, I think the one that I don't care to do for do as much, um, is actually managing people's social media, <laughs> which I have had to do a few times. Um, just managing my own is a full-time job. 
and it's still not perfect by any means. So I think doing that just because it's so tedious and like it takes a really long time. And I think you have to be kind of dialed in, like have your, your hoot suit to your buffer or whatever. And just like, that's your thing. And to try to like do that and like manage films, um, and produce like, you know, films at the same time. And just like, it's, it's kind of being torn in too many directions. So that kind of distracts me a little bit, but people do really want that. So that's kind of one that I've struggled with and fought with a little bit. So I'm like, I'm not really a social media manager. Like I create the content for you, but I don't do like all the actual management, you know? So that's kind of one that I've, that I've struggled with a little bit. On the flip side of that, what is it that you love doing? Like if a client or someone comes to you and is like, I want you to do this, you just think, all right, this is perfect. This is exactly what I want to be doing right now. Hosting and producing travel videos, for sure. Like I love getting in front of the camera. I love getting behind the camera. Um, I love having one or two camera guys with me. I have amazing, amazing camera guys that I work with um, that specialize in like drones and scuba um videography. And I mean, we do some really cool, fun stuff. So it's really fun to be able to go out there. And I am first and foremost, a producer. So I think, um, managing the project overall, getting beautiful visuals, um, like overseeing the project and the story and like really bringing the story to life for whatever the person's like message or, um, story really is. Cause sometimes it's a person, um, and then kind of getting the technical help on the side is like my sweet spot. So really producing those films, bringing them to life and um, promoting. Do you have a so. few favorite projects that you've worked on? Like when it comes to the travel videos that you that just either exceeded expectations or met like super high expectations that you had for it? <laughs> you know, that's that's a really good question. Um I have shot in some pretty cool places. Um, although I'm still kind of working on the videos, so I'm still actually waiting to see like how they come out to be perfectly honest. But so far, the, so far the footage is beautiful and everything. And it was an amazing experience. I think, um, shooting in Antarctica was probably one of my favorite projects. That was surreal. It felt like being on the moon. So I was, I mean, I think I spent the first day just trying to figure out how to like get my white balance. Right. I mean, it was nuts <laughs> because everything is white. So I was like, okay, how do I even film here? Like, this is amazing. <laughs> like, I don't even know what I'm doing. This is incredible. Um, and the other thing I think was, um, Africa. So I spent some time in five different countries in Africa, uh, over the summer. And I think the people, really made that one spectacular. I mean, the wildlife is amazing and, and, you know, it's a spectacular place, but getting to know the people there and kind of telling their stories was actually pretty heartbreaking and pretty eye opening, and, um, really taught me a lot about gratitude as well being there. So that one was a little bit more of an emotional hit, I think, but really, really impactful. So, I think th those two kind of stand out, but, um, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of pretty cool ones, pretty fun ones. Yeah. yeah. And I want to get into the adventure travel stuff a, a little bit, but I want to, I want to stick with this filmmaking for, for a few seconds, because it's so interesting to me that as a younger female in what typically is a male dominated niche, wh whether it be the filmmaking or even the, the producing or the camera crew, like it's a lot of males, a lot of the time. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. How difficult was it to break in and how difficult is it 
still to this day, even though now you've done some stuff and you can point to some stuff, I assume that it's not just this, oh, yeah, like she's one of us. It must be a little bit hard at points. It really is. And I was kind of surprised. Um, I guess I got a little bit lucky in the sense that um, – like not film related, but I'm also a coxswain on a men's rowing team, like competitive men's rowing. So like with Olympians and stuff. So I'm really used to being like with the boys all the time. I seriously live in a man's world. It's absurd. So I'm used to kind of being in that environment just kind of, you know, working with guys and and having to be a leader in, um, in a male dominated role and having to earn that respect and kind of walk the line between dare I say, bitch and boss. Um, So coming into film was kind of like, okay, you know, it's, you know, the boys world again, but I still to this day, um, pick up a camera and even jokingly or offhandedly, I've had guys say like, do you even know how to focus that thing? Or do you know what you're doing? Or let's make sure the camera's not shaky this time. I mean, just weird stuff. That's like, really? Like, do what, why would you think that? Like, why would you even say that? Like you haven't even... See, and to be perfectly honest, some of these are, you know, guys that I've worked with for a really long time and they're totally teasing me, but it's not uncommon. You know, I definitely get that stuff. Like they just don't, um, always take me too, too seriously. Like they think that I'm the talent or the model or because they do do that sometimes too. But then when you go to pick up the camera, they're like, oh, well, you know, do you even know how to focus that thing? Right. They think you they think you're just like, yeah, she's gonna be here and, and goof off with this. Like not that you actually have the ability to do it. Right. Right. And I'm like, no, actually this is my company. Like I'm the executive producer here. So, you know. Thanks, how how but- have you been able to not I don't want to say fight back against it, but how have you been able to deal with it? Because I you have such an interesting perspective, uh, again, being a female, being younger, but doing it all, like not just being in front of the camera, but being behind the camera, doing the editing. I mean, you have this whole range of skills. How are you able to without being maybe too aggressive and too in their face, because that's going to turn people off as well, be able to balance it and, and prove yourself to them, I guess, is for lack of a better word. It's absolutely listening. So if somebody, um, and kind of killing them with kindness too. So if a guy, you know, comes to me and again, this is not all the time, like this is a vast generalization, but if somebody comes to me and says something like that, I would just ask them like, what makes you think that or why, you know, and put them on the spot a little bit in a really nice way. And that usually squashes it. You know, because they don't know what to say. Right. Now it's back on them and they're like, ah, just run away. Forget I said anything. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, oh, what what makes you think that? Like, or if you have a tip, like I would love to learn something from you. That would be that would be great. Why don't you teach me something? I'm sure that you're really, really good at that. So if you kind of put it back on them and acknowledge that they are, in fact, good at what they do, but be very open to learning something new because I do want to learn something new from people. And they're, you know, I want to learn things all the time and I have no shame in that at all. So, you know, but I do want to stand up for myself a little bit. So it's kind of that balance between listening, um, acknowledging them and complimenting them. And they usually feel bad enough that they'll never say anything again. (laughs) You know, that usually does the trick. So once and done, right. Once and done. Yeah. Yeah. So that's been a good deterrent, I think. What are some things, because you do have this vast array of skills now, whether it be producing, whether it be actually shooting, whether it be in front of the camera, that you 
are able to bring to the table that you think other people can't both both as you said being a female but also having your background and having it sort of spread out amongst these different skill sets yeah i think kind of acting like i said as the producer so the one who kind of oversees the the big picture and the vision so i always want people to do what they want to do and what they're good at so like when i go say I'm going to shoot, you know, I'm working on this, uh, this one film where this guy wants to break the speed record for kayaking around Iceland, you know? And he's like, I don't know what to do. Like, I, I want to do this project. I want you to film it and make something out of it. So I kind of take all the different pieces, put everything together and get the best people that I can possibly find to do each aspect of it and then bring them together as a team. So I'm sort of like the leader um, the, the motivator, the glue for the whole project and overseeing and making sure that I'm getting the vision that I want so I can deliver the correct vision to the client or the person. The other thing I was getting at too, that I think is difficult when you do do it all, or you have done it all is being able to pull yourself out of it some points and say, I'm going to let this person do their job, whether that's shooting and this person do editing. And yeah, you're going to give them your advice and, and your feedback, but I know as someone who also runs our own little company here that I micromanage a lot and that's not not necessarily a good thing. And I've had a hard time pulling myself back and say, let these people take the reins. I don't know if you feel that way or if you found a, a little hack to be able to do it, but I find that to be very, very difficult. Not that I'm as skilled as them at what they do, but I at least have an understanding of it. So I'm not totally ignorant to it. I think sometimes being ignorant to it is almost better because you're like, oh, I couldn't do that. You do that. Yeah, it's kind of true. And I've, I've really tried to just teach myself like, like I hired, like I always have people edit for me because I just don't have the time to do, I can't do like editing is an all or nothing kind of skill. So I hire an editor that I 100% trust, love, adore. I know his work. Um, he's amazing. So I just have to tell myself he wins awards for a reason and that's it. Okay. You know, I, so I give him the project and say, this is what we're looking for. Act as the liaison between him and a client. Um, you know, of course, cause I'm overseeing the whole project, tell him kind of what I'm looking for and say, I, I also want your vision kind of brought into this because you are amazing at what you do. And that approach usually works out. So I, I do try to kind of trust people because I, I bring in good people right away that I already trust and say, I want to see what you make of this. Like you are the expert in this area and I kind of want to trust that. And then we usually have to make a few little tweaks here and there, but I really try. I mean, it, it's so freeing too to be able to get something done and just say like, I trust this editor to do this. I trust this filmmaker to, you know, bring the right lenses and do this for me. And, you know, let me just make sure everybody's on the same page and we're all shooting the same project and, <laughs> and then, you know, kind of check it at the end and then tweak it here and there. So it looks like a cohesive project. And where have you found those people from? Is it just from working with them in the past? Usually, usually. Yeah. Sometimes it's referrals, of course. Um, sometimes it's meeting people on the road, you know, people like you. Um, I love to work with other bloggers, other content creators, other videographers. Um, I'm crazy about collaborating with people. 
So whether that's just trading and helping, sometimes it's like, here, I'll promote your little project or your trip if you promote my blog post or whatever. And sometimes it's kind of through that and then relationships build. And sometimes it's through referrals. So uh, sometimes it's working through or working with other people like on actual sets, like on another commercial or something like that. So it really varies. Really. I mean, I'm a social butterfly, so I meet people everywhere. (laughs) Yeah. It's not a lack of people. It's, It's more that you have so many now, I'm sure. And it becomes like, how can I use all these people in a good way? Like, yeah, exactly. It's, it's all, it's all about like, how can everybody win? You know? So if you and I are like working together, if we're doing something, it's like, how can I help you the most? And how can we both like benefit from getting this project done, you know, in the best way. So I'm all about like the win, win, you know, working with people and it's just better. It's just, it's fun if you make it a team thing rather than like, I'm the boss and here's my project, you know, and you're going to do X, Y, and Z. So I a hundred percent (laughs) agree. Now, did you get into the filmmaking because you were already doing adventure sports and expeditions or was it the other way around? Did you start doing expeditions because you wanted to make films about them? Um, well, I was kind of doing both simultaneously. Like I actually went to film school and pretty much knew that I wanted to go into film. I just didn't know it would exactly go that route. I think I fought it for a long time, not because I wanted to, but I wanted to like work in a big studio. I wanted to work on a TV show. I wanted to be a screenwriter on a, on a TV show. And the more I kind of grew up and realized like this could never happen. Like I could literally be 40, 50 and have never sold a script. And, and it's just, it's such a subjective career path that you're, you're never in control of it. So I wanted something that was, that I had a little bit more control of. So I took the film. I was like, what can I do? I can travel. I can put films together and I'm an athlete. So why am I fighting this? (laughs) Like, it's kind of a natural thing. I mean, it took years for me to really realize that it really did. I, I just didn't put the pieces together. And then finally was like, Okay, why? Why am this is stupid? Why am I not doing this? Something that's literally right in front of your face of like, oh yeah, there's adventure sports films out there. There's people always needing it. There's a group of people that you know that probably want it filmed because if you're doing something crazy like setting a speed record around Iceland, probably want to get that on film. Um, yeah, sometimes that's the the most interesting part about people building businesses is that what they can do and what they're capable of is right in front of them. And it's very hard to see for that person sometimes without taking a step back and oh, saying, yeah. wait a second. It's so obvious that you, like, you can't see the forest through the trees. That it's, it's right there. So, and, and also, the I, I thought really hard about what kinds of people I wanted to be around and work with. And it was people who were inspiring me. And that were those were the athletes and the adventurers and the people who were always looking for that, that next big thing or who were, who were inspired to go try new things. It wasn't somebody who was going to like sit behind a desk or be holed up in a room for three days or like, I just didn't want that life. So I was like, what is it that I want to feel like every single day when I go to work? And that was it. I was like, you know, this, this is, this is my happy place. <laughs> yeah, using others who inspire you is a great way. And I've, I've told this story in the podcast before, but the reason I started Travel Podcast was I saw this guy who was biking. Well, he was having the first 
uh, human-powered circumnavigation of the globe, right? And it took him 16 years. Yeah, and I, I just saw him randomly on this other show for like two minutes. I'm like, that cannot be true, that someone is going around the world only on their own power. This is impossible. And I remember like going down the inter- like the depths of the internet, finding his stuff and thinking, why is no one telling him his story? I mean, he was doing it a little bit on a site, but I was like, is there a way that, like, this is inspiring to me. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to spend 16 years of my life doing it. But why can't someone be telling his stories? Why is every podcast about what to do in Rome, which I've done one sense on that, and that's fine. But why can't I also get people on who are going to tell their stories? And I remember thinking, like, I'm going to start a podcast. Even if this is the only episode I ever do, I'm going to get to talk to this guy, and he's going to come on. He was the third guest, and you know, now 270 podcasts later, uh, it just continues. But it, it's so true that I just thought, I, I want to help these people tell their story in some way and also be inspired them. And selfishly, who's going to say no to coming on a podcast, right? Come and talk about yourself for an hour. Yeah, sure. Sure. Here I am. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Actually, you guys really inspire me too. I mean, truly, I, you guys have such a fun website. You have a fun podcast. You guys are just fun, 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 fun all around. So again, it's the same reason, like just talking to people like you and getting to meet you know, people in, in your networks and the travel networks is inspiring. So selfishly, are, are we really that selfish or are we just all getting inspired by each other? Yeah, it, it's it's mutually inclusive, I guess would be the right word. Yeah, it's great. And, and you touched on the fact that you have an athletic background. I wanted to dig into that in the adventure sports side because, yeah, you do all the filmmaking, but it's all based around these crazy, crazy things that 99.9% of humans aren't going to do. Um, <laughs> and so how did that come about? Were you an athlete growing up or is that something you came to afterwards where you thought, all right, now I'm going to get into these endurance adventure crazy uh, sports? I've always been an athlete. Always. So I grew up um, actually show jumping horses, um, playing soccer, swimming, water polo. Um, and then found out, of course, you know, when you go to college, like, oh, when you're 5'2 and 100 pounds, you probably shouldn't play water polo. Like, probably not a good sport for you. You know, you could die. Right, right. <laughs> uh, and you won't get that scholarship. So I actually waited, um, joined the men's rowing team as a coxswain. So um, I'm basically the leader, the eyes and the ears and the brains of the operation. I steer the boat and I tell the boys what to do. And, um, they put a big stick in the water and, you know, row down a course and, um, pretty much stuck with that. And that kind of turned my life around too, because a lot of the guys, um, were also doing triathlons. Like they do a lot of, a lot of cross training. Um, so you'll see even at the top level, like the Ironman, um, champions are former rowers and stuff. So I kind of started getting more and more sucked into, like the cycling, the running, um, I was already swimming, but these athletes were just so extreme. Like even the rowers are just so extreme and they work so hard and they're so dedicated to their craft that that was really inspiring and actually not competing as an athlete myself. Like I wanted to do something a little bit more physical because as a coxswain, you are the dead weight in the boat. Like you're not, you're not actually rowing. So being so five was, to a hundred pounds is perfect then because they don't have oh, to yeah. pull as much. Yeah. yeah. Cause they're hauling my ass around, you know, I'm just sitting there like a sandbag. So I was like, I need to do something a little bit more physical, a little bit more challenging. Like what is the biggest thing I could think of right now to do an Ironman? Like I'll do an Ironman. So of course I've never done a triathlon. So 
I was like, all right, I got to pick an Ironman. So I signed up for an Ironman. I had like seven months to train for it. And I was like, okay, now I should probably figure out how to train for this thing because now I'm committed. So one thing led to another. I did my first Ironman. I loved it. Um, I have a bunch more planned now. I got sponsored. Um, I guess I wasn't too horrific at it. (laughs) So yeah. And then I, I mean, I kept doing marathons and, um, the marathons led to actually more job opportunities. So this is kind of where it really starts crossing over into the business thing as well. Um, I kind of became known as the person who could like run a marathon and film at the same time. And who could like, you know, I could keep up with the athletes that I was filming. And that was a really big deal. Cause a lot of times, I mean, when you get camera guys, like they're not exactly fit running marathons. Yeah. The most well, fit. Yeah. You know, they're used to like holding the camera, you know, waiting. So I could keep up with the people that I was filming. And so I kind of brought on to more and more projects. And sometimes I I am actually like competing and racing. So I'm not like filming and stuff. But if I go, you know, like the Antarctica thing um, that I was talking about before um, was the marathon there. So I ran ran the marathon there, but was also filming. So it kind of like, that's where some of it kind of crosses over. And then once they know you can do that, they're like, Oh, well, why don't you go do that in Tokyo? Why don't you run the Tokyo marathon? Like we have this guy we want you to run with. And I ended up guiding a a blind runner in Tokyo and filming that. Um, you know, so, I mean, it just opened up like all of these opportunities. So I do have like the competitive side where I am actually sponsored and, um, do the marathons, do the Ironman triathlons. Um, stuff like this, like the Vegas to Santa Monica race that I just got home from last night, um, which is really, really cool. And then also get to kind of bring that into the business side. So it crosses paths all the time. Like every project is something physical. So, (laughs) and someone might be sitting there saying like, all right, this is great. Of course she can do it because she's done this, this, and this, you know, they've heard your story and they're like, all right, she's always been an athlete. She's done, she's done all that. Now she's done uh, multiple Ironman competitions. She's done uh, marathons. And, you know, so they're a little bit intimidated. Like, yeah, well, yeah, you know, she has a history and now she feels comfortable doing it, but where could, or should someone start? Like if they want to add a little dash of this to their lifestyle or to their travel, you know, let's say they, they travel quite a bit or they want to start traveling more, but sprinkling in a little more active stuff versus, yeah, I'm just going to go to Rome and eat as much pizza, which is a good thing to do as I want. But they actually want to build a little bit like you've done your travel in amongst these kind of cool activities that they're doing. Is there, is there something you'd recommend they start with? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you, like I said, you don't have to just go all in like that. Like, I started somewhere too, you know, it it was not like, you know, all of a sudden I was like running from Santa Monica to Vegas and do, you know, it's years of work like that. That is years of putting in miles and, you know, doing all of this stuff. So I would definitely recommend, um, you know, starting if you're literally starting like from a couch or from like a cruise type mentality where it's, it's really not geared towards active travel, Start by taking city walking tours or photography tours where you're kind of getting a little bit more hands-on and you start to kind of see things in travel a little bit differently. So if you're not a photographer, maybe take a photography tour where you have to walk or you have to cycle around the city 
and start to look at things a little bit differently, like from a photographer's perspective. And I think the more that you expand, um, the things like your perspectives, I guess, the more you're going to want to see. And I think it, it starts snowballing right away. So the, the hardest thing is just kind of starting, um, or go somewhere and do a 5k or a 10k, um, you know, doing like an organized race, even for fun, which is what a lot of people do. Like a lot of people travel just for fun. They don't care how fast they are. They don't care. It's a fabulous way to see a city. Like I saw the entirety of Tokyo in 26.2 miles. You know, I had to run it of course, but, but we saw everything, you know, it was amazing. And you, and we went into places that you can't go, you know, unless you run the marathon. So there, I think there are ways to kind of get involved in these smaller events and don't think of it as like a competition or everybody's faster than you, or you have to race all of these people go to just kind of see wherever you are in a different way. And I, I think a lot of it is mindset really. Yeah. It provides a good reason. I had a buddy of mine who signed up, I, I guess you can get a yearly tough mutter pass or something like that. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and so he's like, yeah, we're going to do a yearly one. It wasn't that expensive. And he just said, this is going to give us a reason, him and his buddies, to go to different cities. You know, like they go for a long weekend or, or four days, what have you. And they fly to Denver and they do that one. And then there was one in Tampa. I, You know, and they went maybe four or five throughout the year. And it wasn't, I mean, it was to push themselves a little bit. Although at some point they're like, yeah, these are, we're like kind of above this level now. But the the point was they went there to to go and see a new thing and see a different course and have a reason. I think a lot of times really you just need a reason to go and do it. And and some sort of travel or some sort of physical activity can be a reason to go and do that whether it be running or biking or or, or what have you. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's a great way to put it. And you know, there I work with um the companies that put on the seven marathons in 7 days in, in on seven continents and there are people that do that that do not consider themselves like intense athletes. Like it sounds like an intense event, but they go because they want to go to all seven continents. Like they'll run six, seven hour marathons. They don't, they don't care. Is yeah, that, that's not seven days back to back to back. Yeah, it to, is. It, okay. Yeah. Cause yes. So you're in seven days, you run seven marathons and you've On been on seven, seven continents. That yeah. sounds pretty intense. To, I mean, even if you're running a seven hour marathon, that's gotta be pretty tiring. It is. It but, but they're is. not elite at like you're not saying it's, oh. these are not people who are ever going to set world no. records. They're just not people even close. Okay, who have trained for it not and are prepared. Close. All right. Yep. Yeah, and and that's a really good way to to do it too. You know, people just don't care. Like you said, it's the same thing with the tough mutter. They go because it's an excuse to travel, and the, you know they don't they don't care. And there are even um, events that you can do like in Italy and in France where you. Um, are actually encouraged to drink the whole time. So there's one called the Medoc Marathon in France where you go and and it's frowned upon to take less than six hours because at every aid station, you drink a glass of wine and then you keep going. So it's basically a big party. And, you know, stuff like that is amazing. I mean, that's that's like a world event. Like people come from all over the world to go do that event and nobody cares, you know, <laughs> and it's super, super fun. And that's a great way to like meet people and party and get drunk with a bunch of people from all over the world in the chateaus in France, you know. So there's stuff like that that people can do that's, that's super fun. Are there any 
places that you could recommend them they go either on the internet or or is there like any companies that run stuff because i know this is starting to become a much bigger market is this adventure slash active tourism market where they'll hold you know certain events around the world or around the country or around certain countries are there any companies that you've worked with or that you know of or that you've participated in that you would say all right now we're looking at people who want to be a little more active but they don't mind going other places yeah absolutely um yeah i guess there are ones kind of on all spectrums um I guess Marathon Adventures is one that I really love that I've worked with a lot. Um, They're kind of the pros with like the Antarctica marathons. Like if you want to get to Antarctica, this is a really good way to go. And you don't have to run like the full marathon to do it. You could run a 10K. You could, you know, just go, you know. Um, Marathon Adventures is very good. Um, Igo Adventures is amazing. Um, They go to some really beautiful, beautiful places in Norway, Montana, Morocco, and you can do like cross country skiing and fat biking and kayaking. And, um, those are really good. Um, gosh, there's so many, <laughs> it's hard to think of like the really good, those are the good ones that I work with though, right off the top of my head that are, that just, I know put on amazing, amazing trips. So, um, I'd, pro- I'd probably recommend those. Yeah. Those are I think for someone starting out too, I, you know, I do a lot of independent travel and like, like you've never been on a cruise or I, I would gladly go, it just hasn't happened. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. So if you guys are listening, like, come on, get a hold of us. Um, but, yeah. but I do think that that is one of the things that I would specifically probably go with a tour company or one of these groups because not only is all the logistics taken care of, but, but it's well worth paying the extra money. Like, could I go and do that same similar stuff in those areas? Yes. But will I be motivated enough to do it? And eh, when I get there on my own, I'll be like, yeah, we're going to do that. I mean, we spent about uh, eight days in Barcelona. We never did a walking tour because we were going to do it the next day, the next day. And we never did. So I think it's worth paying to go with these professional companies, not only to motivate you, but also to just set it all up for you. Yeah, it's true. And a lot of it too is kind of the team aspect. Like, um, I've actually gone on, I don't know, four, four or five trips with this marathon adventures company. And a lot of the same people come back again and again and again. And we literally travel around the world together as a group now, because we, we have gone on a few of these trips together and just become so close that we're like a team now. And so we've, I mean, we've literally traveled all over the world together. And I think a lot of it is kind of intimidating for some people who are like, well, I really want to go, you know, to France and maybe, you know, maybe I'd consider running a a 10K or go to the Alps. Like there's a beautiful one in in Switzerland that's really famous where you can like run a 10K to a hundred miler and just showing up and like making sure you're okay is like, it's kind of that part of it alone is kind of intimidating if you're not used to like the race scenario, you know, like what a race looks like or how to show up. So it's nice if you can go with a group where everybody is kind of like minded, you're showing up for the same event, you know what to do, you know when to show up. Like it takes so many stressors away from the whole situation that it just makes it a lot more fun, I think. So and you, and you have a built-in support group, right? Like exactly. you said, a built-in team, support group, friends, you totally. know, people that you'll become lifelong friends with probably. And and totally. if you like doing that and they like doing it, yeah, chances are you're going to travel again uh, yeah. together again. Yeah, 
Exactly. And actually another thing that I would recommend too, for people doing something like this is go with a smaller group. Don't go with such a massive, like enormous tour group. Like try to find one that takes like 15 people or less. So you can really get to know the people that you're with. I think that makes a really, really big difference. I've done both of those kinds of trips. Um, and we've always come out just better friends closer. I've, I've overall had a better experience with smaller groups. And I think, I think that would help a lot of people too. just make it a little more personal. Yeah. And we will link all those uh, that you mentioned in the show notes, guys. So don't worry about that. If you're listening, you're like, what, what, what did they say again? Yeah. We'll link all right. that. Like take notes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll link all that in the show notes. What are some of personally the biggest challenges you've faced, whether it be an adventure sports side or an expedition or anything like that or a, or a travel challenge? What are some of the things that you faced um, that maybe led you to give up, maybe led you to push through? I, I don't know. So more on the business side, you mean? More more the, with per, pushing yourself, I guess, physically. Um, and and has there been any of these races that you've done or these expeditions that you've gone on where it's been to a point where you thought, like, I can't do this. Like, this is just too tough. Um, that's hard if to say. If the answer is I mean, no, that's great, too, because you yeah. just ran 350 miles in two days. So we know you're superwoman, <laughs> all right? Yeah. I mean, there are, there are always times, like if you don't go through that moment, it's almost like the seven stages of like denial and grief. You know, it's like you go through these stages where you're like, okay, I'm feeling good. No, no, I don't feel good at all. Maybe I should quit. No, I can't quit. That's terrible. Like regret is way worse than quitting. I might be okay. Like you go through these stages of like, uh, no, I might be okay. But I think just training yourself to kind of keep pushing through is really what's gotten me through most of these. Cause of course, you know, you're going to have those moments. So you kind of prepare for that. So, um, I really hate quitting. So <laughs> I try not to, I, the only time I ever thought about actually stopping or thought that I was like unsafe or not like really not in a good place was actually during Ironman Arizona last year. Um, we had a horrible monsoon and I was so cold and so miserable and like, couldn't even shift my shifters on my bike. And, was only halfway through the bike leg and still had to run the marathon and do like a hundred miles on the bike. And it was just horrible. I was like, I'm literally hypothermic out here. Like I'm, this is past the point of like discomfort. Like I'm, I'm not okay. <laughs> so I did actually end up sticking with it. It was the most miserable race and most miserable experience I've ever had in my entire life, which I was so bummed about because I was supposed to PR by like two and a half hours. Like I was well trained for it and we just had this horrible weather. So stuff like that just happens. I mean, you just expect the unexpected and be prepared for the worst. And so much of this ultra stuff, um, is just problem management and mindset. And just being really smart. So like I'm training for a hundred miler right now out in Bryce Canyon in June. And I know going into it that I'm fit enough to do it. I'm going to do it, but problems are going to arise and I'm going to want to quit. And I'm going to have a blister at some point and cry about it like a little baby. And then say like, okay, it's like, you know, this is going to happen. Suck it up and just like take care of it. It's just managing your expectations and managing the problems that come up. So, and I think that's really good training for travel and for sports, because as you know, in travel, you know, things come up and they're not always good. <laughs> right. Right. And that's the beauty of it later, right? Like we wouldn't be sitting here talking on a podcast if everything was always perfect because the, 
the best stories happen when something when you have a mishap or or a mistake or something unexpected happens and and it's that's what makes it fun right if we knew exactly what to expect every single time we wouldn't even have to go there we could just like look at pictures of the eiffel tower on their screen and be like oh there we go no big deal right oh yeah oh yeah i mean stuff goes wrong all the time yeah and we're gonna get to that in just a second (laughs) <laughs> Everyone knows we're going to ask for your biggest travel mishap. That's no secret oh here on this podcast. But I, I do want to <laughs> ask, do you ever just travel to travel? Like, you know, lay around on the beach, eat food, drink wine, or is it constantly you're saying like, I'm going to push a little harder. I'm going to, oh, this is nice on the beach for like an hour. I'm going to go do stand up paddleboarding for 10 hours or something like that. That's a good question. And I absolutely do. Um, because sometimes the people I travel with don't want to go run a hundred miles. <laughs> surprise. <laughs> I know. Right. Huge surprise. Um, no, I absolutely do. Um, I love to even take small trips like to national parks, um, and just go camping and drink wine around a fire, you know, or bring some whiskey and throw some food in the fire and just, you know, look at the stars, you know, (laughs) I mean, stuff like that. That's just super mellow where you just kind of enjoy life. You know, I, I think those moments are so, so important. And as travelers, you know, we've all had those moments where you're sitting at the summit of a mountain watching the sunset and you're just grateful to be alive or, you know, you're, you're witnessing something in nature where you feel insignificant and you're like, like the world is an amazing, amazing place. And, you know, I feel so lucky to be able to see this or witness whatever you're witnessing right now. And I love, love to find those moments. And I think it's, it's those little moments in between that really make the travel worth it and make me appreciate, um, you know, what, what we get to do and kind of how we get to travel. And I know that's a little bit sappy. It's a little bit woo woo, but I, I think that's a lot of the reason, like why we travel, like, you know, we want to see those things that most people don't see or will never see. Right. And and that are so different from our regular, normal day-to-day life. Even though, even though as we're talking, neither of us have a nine-to-five regular, quote-unquote, regular life. That being said, there's still a lot that you do that's, that's normal every day. And getting out there and traveling, and, and the thing that I love about going to new places is that when you land somewhere new – your senses are just so alive. You, you know, you've never seen it before. You've never smelled it before. You've never heard it before. You, maybe you've seen a picture, but that's just one little piece of everything that's going on. And I love just standing there thinking, how did I end up here? And like, what's going to happen? Literally anything could happen and it probably wouldn't shock me. And that's why I love going to new places because you just have no idea what it's actually going to be like when you get there, even if you've heard people talk about it before or seen it before. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's kind of our drug. I mean, you, you kind of look for that. It's that rush. Every time you get somewhere, it's like, you know, what could happen? I, I don't know. What am I going to see today? Who am I going to meet today? You know, what am I going to drink today? What, what kind of pizza am I going to get today? You know, I, you never know. And it's, it's, I don't know. I mean, it's amazing. It's, it's amazing to kind of expand your perspectives, I think too. And then bring that back to your quote unquote normal life. And you have this 
this much bigger picture of how things work and, and why people think the way they think and why people say the things that they say, or I, I I don't know. I, I think travelers are kind of like the ambassadors of peace and, you know, communication and understanding. And I think it's kind of important that we just, you know, convey that. I, I don't know. I, that sounds super woo-woo. I don't even know how. No, well, one of the things that I love, this is going to sound even stranger, so don't worry. I so, love uh, <laughs> about traveling is that when I am at home, let's say I'm watching a TV show or a movie or something, and I see, uh, let's say on the, they're on the Great Wall of China, and I can sit there then and say, I know what that feels like to be there. I, I have been there and it's just a movie and people who haven't been there don't even know that they can't relate to it because there's plenty of movies I watch I haven't been there. So it just kind of passes on. But I love when I have that experience of um, seeing something or reading about something or watching a show or, or talking to someone. All of a sudden, I know exactly what they're thinking or, or what's happening because I have actually physically been in that spot. It, you know, it's a small bit of what I love about travel. There's a lot of other stuff. But it's just this cool little reminder that, yeah, I've seen that. And so this person's trying to convey this message with this movie when this is why it's set here. And I get it a little more than someone who hasn't been there. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it's you're dead on. Not the only reason I travel, but it's cool when you watch a movie and you get to say, yeah, I've been there. Although don't do it too much with like friends and family. Like they'll they're like, why you guys always say that? You know, I'm like, I keep my mouth shut now. You must be a blast at parties. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it's like you. <laughs> I've want, been there. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've done that. Yeah, I've been there. Oh, yeah. oh, Disney World. Disney World's cool. Oh, have you been to Euro Disney? Oh, what about Tokyo Disney? <laughs> Tokyo you know? Disney. Yeah, way better. <laughs> I actually haven't been to Tokyo Disney or Euro Disney, but anyway, um, <laughs> it's very clean. Yeah. <laughs> it's much cleaner than ours. Yeah, living yeah. in Japan for two years, you think I would have made it to Tokyo Disney, but never happened. Um, what about some of the places that you'd like to travel to that you haven't been to? Believe it or not, Iceland and Norway. I mean, I want to go to so many places. I, I really do. It's, I mean, where do you start? We've all got a list. But Iceland, Norway, Sweden, I have actually never been. And there are so many things I want to do there. And I want to go spend some time um, checking out the Northern Lights again and doing some scuba diving and run the marathons. I do want to run the marathons there. <laughs> do, you, do you just love cold weather? I mean, we're Antarctica. You've been above the Arctic Circle with the family. Now you're talking about Iceland, Norway, Sweden. You just, you love that cold weather, huh? I do. I do. I mean, it's, there's just a lot of really, really interesting wildernessy type stuff to do up there. I mean, by, you know, believe me, I love Grenada. I love Hawaii and, you know, Bali and stuff. I love it. I love it. And would spend years and years and years just sitting on a beach in a cabana there. But um, it's just so exotic and otherworldly, I think, in, in some of those other places. You know, when you're sitting there under the stars and you see the northern lights and, you know, there's caribou and, you know, the mountain ranges in the background. I mean, it's just, there's something just so mysterious about it and so intriguing that, um, that it, yeah, it is, it's kind of intriguing. It's just, it's fun, you know, yeah. and great Instagram photos. I mean, great 
Yes. Do it for the social media, if for no other reason. It's Insta gold up there. (laughs) I do have to throw you under the bus because you're making fun of me about being at a party saying I've been everywhere. But you said, yeah, I want to go see the Northern Lights. And then you threw in again. So there you go. Oh, Oh. you got me. You got me. Big time. (laughs) I just want to go see them. But not for the first time, guys. For the second time. Um, (laughs) Or maybe not even the second time. I don't know. Maybe the third time. No, no. It would be a second. It would be a second. I saw them in Alaska uh, once or twice. So... Awesome. Awesome. Well, I can't let you get out of here, especially with all the traveling you've done without a travel mishap. And I know there's probably a lot that come to mind. But can you think of your, I'm going to say biggest in quotes here, your biggest travel mishap, something that, uh, yeah, in hindsight might be funny, might not have been funny when it happened. I don't know. Um, What do you got for us? (laughs) Yes. Okay. So the first one that comes to mind um, actually happened on my Africa trip when I was going um, going to Africa. Um, I was running two marathons there, and I got there to South Africa, to Johannesburg, um, the day before I was supposed to run the first one. So I was supposed to get there and then drive up to the freaking wilderness. I mean, let's be honest. You know, Africa is a big wilderness you know, <laughs> like a big open expansive space. So we're driving out to the middle of nowhere. There is no address for this place. Like it's a safari park in the middle of nowhere. So I get to Africa and they have lost all of my luggage. I have nothing. So I have my camera because I always travel with my cameras and like carry them with me. I never check them. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to be running this marathon nude with a camera. I don't even have running shoes. I have nothing. I I might have my wallet with me, maybe. So I'm trying all over for, you know, Johannesburg. I'm running around Johannesburg. I'm like not safe because it it really wasn't safe at the time. People, students were like burning down their own school when I was there. There were riots going on. It was like scary. It was not a good time. So I'm like, I'm like the white girl running around Johannesburg. You know, I'm going to get robbed. I'm going to I I don't even know how to get to where I'm supposed to go. There's no address. I have nothing. I don't have shoes. I have no clothes. I have nothing. So luckily I had a friend, um, who was from Johannesburg, who was actually my roommate in college. So I called her, you know, via WhatsApp because my phone isn't working there and I can't find an ATM that works. You know, every, every ATM in Johannesburg is mysteriously broken, which these people just keep telling me, Oh, it's broken. It's broken. I'm like, please help me. Like, can you at least give me some running shoes? Like I need to run this marathon tomorrow. I don't know. So I'm scrambling for like 24 hours before this marathon. Like somebody help. I need help. And like, could, you know, like the phones weren't working. The ATMs weren't working. I didn't have the luggage. I get to the the marathon and it still hasn't arrived. And I'm like borrowing shoes from people and like trying to make this work. I don't even have like you know, a sports bra. I can't even like, I'm like, what am I going to do? I can't run this marathon. Like in the, it's literally in the wilderness too, like in the bush, you know, I'm running by hippos and giraffes and all this, you know, stuff. I'm like, I'm going to, I don't know even what, what's happening. So finally they, we found out, they found my luggage and this is like three bags worth of stuff. Like I'm going to be here for like a month. And I'm like, okay, I made it through the first marathon, like borrowing stuff, but I have another marathon to do and I still don't have my luggage and I'm going up to Zimbabwe now. So my luggage is still somewhere in Johannesburg. So we finally get up there and they're like, oh, where are you? Like we have the the luggage here at the Johannesburg airport. I'm like, I'm in Zimbabwe. 
you need to get me my luggage here right now because I'm running another marathon tomorrow and I still don't have shoes and clothes and everything. And long story short, it took four days to get my luggage. I still didn't get anything before the marathon. So both marathons, I had to like scramble and go find something. I'm borrowing shoes. I'm wearing these mismatched things. You know, I, oh my God, it was, it was a nightmare. No ATMs work in Africa. I don't know what was happening. I couldn't call anybody. I'm trying to use WhatsApp. My phone's dying. My, you know, there's no chargers anywhere. I mean, it was just one thing after another. It was like the biggest nightmare ever. And I finally had to like call the airline back. And I was like, I'm really hoping you're going to pay for all this marathon gear I had to go buy, you know, and eventually they did. But, oh, my God, it was a nightmare. It was so scary. I was like, I'm alone in Africa. Yeah. Did like, you not have it, you didn't have anyone with you either at that no, point? No, I was alone. I was showing up for these marathons and I was like, I, I have no clothes in Africa. I'm just alone with nothing. And you survived. I, I, I think, yeah, I, I have a camera and apparently a credit card that doesn't work anywhere in Africa I, or an ATM card doesn't work anywhere. So, I mean, it's stuff like that that can also get kind of scary too when, when you're somewhere and you're like, I literally have no one, like I can't contact anybody. Like email isn't working. There's no Wi-Fi here. I'm in the middle of the wilderness. There's no phone service. There's no nothing. And I have no clothes. I have, you know... <laughs> what I wore on the plane basically and a camera and that's it. So that actually got a little bit scary too, but, um, and, and there's know. a point where those kind of things, like, even if, even if you don't think you're in danger, like real danger, the annoyance and then building on top of each other on top, it just becomes more than you want to handle. And those are, I mean, there've been plenty of times we've talked about a bunch of them on the podcast before where I thought like, why am I just not at home? Why am I not at home? Why am I doing this? Like, it's not worth the hassle. It's not worth the headache. I could be at home in my house and I could take a little mini trip to the beach or something like that. Why am I going halfway around the world or all the way around the world? And then, you know, like a day or two later, you laugh about it and you think like, all right, this is why. Because now I can tell the story on a podcast. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's all these little things that add up to like, you're trying to get in touch with the bank because the ATM cards don't work, but the bank doesn't want to help you because you're in another country. And you're like, and you're like, someone just yeah. help. You you literally want one, <laughs> one person to be that person who like yeah. can solve one problem. Because if you solve one problem, you feel like the snowballs start going down the other side, but you like, you can't even get one thing figured out. And, and usually the good thing about travel um, and meeting people, as you know, is that typically you do then find that one person, those two people who are helping you out. And then all of a sudden it becomes this like miracle day of all these really cool things happening that you never thought would happen. Yeah, you're so right. You're so right. But, you know, everybody's got one of those stories. That's you right. Know? That's Everyone's right. got one. And or two or three or four. Yeah, oh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. They have one a day if you're, if you're traveling a lot. So, oh, yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you, Whitney. Uh, last question for you. What do you have coming up in the pipeline that people should be looking out for? Gosh, that's a good question. Um, I think I'm still kind of putting a lot of my itineraries together. Um, I'm really hoping to go to Berlin, um, Iceland. I might get an Iceland trip in this year. I'm not sure. Um, I think the next big thing is June. I'm running my 100 miler in Bryce Canyon. So, that's going to be pretty fun. I'm going to be filming it. Um, I do a sponsors and some film people that are going to come out and kind of help me 
make it an adventure and watch my suffering and my hallucinations in the middle of the night and everything. So we'll hopefully get some of that, some of the wackiness on camera. Um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of times I don't actually know where I'm going until kind of last minute. So I don't, I don't really know. Like, but you know, you'll, you know, you'll be doing something cool this year. You, like I, there's a bunch oh, of projects yeah. that you have kind of happening. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I have, I actually do have a guy that's trying to, um, recreate the Lewis and Clark trail right now. So I'm working with him on like the kayaking and the running part of that. So, um, that, and then the Iceland, um, project, which actually isn't going to happen until next year. Like we're not going to film that until next year, but we're working on that now. And then I'm working with another woman who is running from coast to coast as well. So, um, there are definitely projects that I have like in the works and we're going to be traveling quite a bit for that and stuff comes up, you know, sometimes it's a few weeks in advance and it's like, Hey, can you go to, you know, I don't know, Australia for, you know, a week or something. So like stuff comes up, um, kind of fast. So I'm where I am working on a few Nordic trips though, that, like I mentioned, so that's, I really want to go. So I'm working with some tourism boards and some companies for, for some Nordic trips. So I'm crossing my fingers for those. Got to see Got those it. Northern lights again. I know. I know. <laughs> want to go scuba diving up there. All those people that have been to Norway are like, ha ha. It's the most magical place ever. Like, well, I, I've been to Norway, uh, not in doing anything crazy like that. But if you do go, a good buddy of mine lives up there. So you'll have to meet up with them. I'll give you all the oh, details. Perfect. So, um, perfect. I love it. Awesome. Well, Whitney, thanks so much for coming on, uh, for being an inspiration for many others, whether it's people who are like, hey, that's intimidating, everything she's doing. I just want to do a piece of it. We've given you some advice here. And also people who might want to take a massive leap into a different lifestyle, like we touched on in the beginning, people who are saying, you know, this isn't for me, this kind of typical thing. How can I meld all my passions into one thing that is actually going to work. You've been an awesome, awesome role model for them. So thank you so much for coming on. Remind people how they can get a hold of you, both the website and then, of course, like a good way to follow your Insta Gold stuff. Because I know, I mean, <laughs> you must have a good Instagram account with all these things going on. I try to put up fun pictures and keep up with it. But um, yeah, you can definitely find me and follow me on Instagram um, at IronWillWit. So... Like Iron Will Productions, which is my company, but Wit W H I T at the end. Um, my website is ironwillproductions.com. Um, I have photography, video, um, podcasts, and stuff that I've done and been on, and friends and fun stuff. I mean, if you're if you're looking for just a different take on a neat trip, then come find me. Um, I'm always looking for those hidden gems for people. And believe me, they don't always include like an Ironman or a marathon. Like sometimes it really is just like a neat city tour or a really cool adventure or place that a lot of people don't go. So, um, yeah, so please don't be intimidated. You know, it's, it's really like we all start somewhere and I don't do that all the time. So those are the ones that I guess just stand out, but I love to sit on a beach too and drink wine and, you know. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Awesome. Yeah, I'm not yeah, thinking yeah. of all these epic things that I want to do now that I need someone. I'm like, well, I mean, if I knew she was going to film it and help me produce it, maybe I would get my butt off the couch to do some of this stuff. So, um, yeah, awesome stuff. Guys, we will link everything up in the show notes. Um, that's Ira. Iron Iron Will. I don't know why I keep saying it weird. Iron <laughs> yeah, Will, Iron Will Productions. Productions. Yeah. com and Iron Will Wit on Instagram. Yeah. 
And I do have, um, I'm actually going on a trip with, um, GoPro. I did forget about this. Actually, I'm going on a trip with, um, GoPro in May to go, um, dive some world war two wrecks in uh, North Carolina. So I will be doing some really cool videos for that and getting some cool footage and pictures posted for that. So, um, yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter what it is, dog sledding, scuba diving, walking, running, whatever, you know, if it's fun, I want to do it. And so that's why I love what you guys are doing. Um, I'm so honored you guys even allowed me to be on this podcast. Like I don't even feel worthy, you know, being on this cause it's, you guys are amazing. So, um, thank you so much. Keep doing what you guys are doing. Cause you provide so much value for people, I think. So it's really inspiring to hear your guests and your advice and your stories and, so we appreciate it, it. The pleasure yeah. is all ours. And guys, if you are listening, we've talked about a lot of stuff. We will link all that up in the show notes, including some of the companies that Whitney's worked with that we we're talking about, how you can dip your toe in the water and things like that. All that's in the show notes at extrapackofpeanuts.com slash pods, P-O-D-S, that and the 260 plus other episodes. So if you want to binge listen, We've got enough for you now. Um, also, don't forget, if you're looking for a good travel backpack, uh, head on over to tortugabackpacks.com. That's the backpack I carry around with me all over the world. Hopefully, it doesn't get lost. Knock on wood now after your story. I haven't had my luggage lost ever, uh, believe it or not. Now, I'm a little fearful. But uh, check that out, tortugabackpacks.com. Use the promo code EPOP, E-P-O-P, all capital letters. That'll get you 10% off. Thank you again, Whitney, for coming on, especially after you just did a 350-mile race. First person, I can say this with 100% certainty, first person to come on within 24 hours of finishing a 350-mile race. So there you go. Awesome. I'm determined to hold that record. That's right. If someone else comes on, I'll have to, come, I'll have, to have you do something crazier and then come back on right after. Or oh. maybe we'll record with you as you're running a race. There we go. If, well, I do do that. And, I, of course, I won't be able to say no. Like, right. I'll have to do it. So. Right. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you, Whitney. Really appreciate it. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in today for the continued support. As always, it makes this number one rated travel podcast on iTunes. And until next time, happy free travels. I'll